Good afternoon and welcome to the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Candace Dirksen. Coming up this afternoon, we'll have details on Ag Minister Marie-Claude Beadle's announcement this morning regarding further assistance for PEI potato producers. And CAP President Bill Campbell looks back on the year and outlines the organization's priorities heading into 2022. The latest farm news and market numbers also coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Farm broadcaster Corey Canute spoke with CAP President Bill Campbell, who offered a look back on the past year. Well, I guess it um, will go down as a very unique year. Um, we've had uh, certainly um, weather-related issues and the ongoing um, pandemic that has been in front of society. And so... Uh, Hopefully, uh, we don't get another one like this, um, but, you know, it, uh, we're glad to be able to turn uh, the page on the calendar, and uh, we approach 2022 with enthusiasm. I guess uh, one of the big topics, like you mentioned, uh, just the drought from the past year. I guess just looking back, your thoughts on, on how things played out there? Well, I guess, you know, there was a lot of producers that were quite aware of the um, circumstances early on in the year with a lack of snowfall and the dry fall of 20. Um, then when we did not see some of those April showers, that um, it was going to take some very significant corrective measures by Mother Nature. And when they did not happen, uh, we could see that we were in, in some uh, problematic situations. And so there became early um, lobbying and conversations and um, you know we are quite appreciative of the um, provincial ag ministers for you know um, coming to the table and listening and and be aware of the of the circumstances so there was a lot of collaboration and working with other groups to bring forward that uh, concern and that single message of how are we going to cope with this drought and uh you know, as the year played on, we've seen involvement with the federal government uh, and the working between the federal and the province and some announcements and some, um, you know, some reactions and uh, consequences to uh, able to uh, cope with the, um, the conditions that we've seen. And so, um, you know, as far as the uh, that part, I think I, I feel quite confident saying there were some very positive steps. Uh, was it able to address everybody's needs uh, to what their desires were? Um, maybe not, but I would also suggest that when you look at it overall, um, their contributions were very significant uh, in playing out so that we were um, you know, able to deal with some of our crops in a timely fashion and securing feedstocks and utilizing alternative feeds for our livestock industry. So, um, you know, we're really appreciative of that, that work that was done. Talk a little bit about uh, just the high, high crop prices we saw this year. Well, I think that brings about the significance. Um, you know, um, we may live in a kind of a micro environment in Manitoba, and we, and we may, you know, even smaller than that, communities that... God, it's, it's dry here. But when we see the rising of commodity prices and we hear indications that, you know, this was not only a Western Canada issue and, and Northern Ontario, you know, it became a North American issue and, and the significance of uh, 
certain parts of the state. And so we have had global um, um, impact with regards to production and uh, supply and demand is fully playing out at this point in time. And so we've been seeing an increase in commodity prices and that may be somewhat of a salvation for certain sectors, but it is also causing, um, you know, significant increased costs for other sectors. And so, um, you know, we certainly need to be aware of, of the overall impact um, these conditions and uh, those prices are playing on agriculture. I would like to maybe highlight, you know, some of the things that, that CAP has been part of and have been uh, significant, I think, in, in, in the role of what has transpired in, in 2021. And we see just yesterday um, to deal with some of the forage shortfalls that there has been an announcement of the federal government of a commitment of, of another $3 million towards the Hay West program. Um, so I encourage producers, if they're having uh, concerns about their inventory of feed to, um, you know, to get a hold of Hay West, uh, that's a very, very positive message that the collaboration between the East and the West and producers in uh, Eastern Canada that have excess hay to be able to transport it. And that's been the significant uh, holdup is the transportation, but it looks like that's going to be covered. And also, you know, that we've had uh, some movement on BRMs, that we had the removal of the reference margin limit, I think, which is significant. We had the announcement of the agri-recovery programs and some uh, changes to MASC to be able to deal with uh, our crop um, inventories and production this year. So I think, you know, those are some very positive steps forward. We had uh, changes in the federal government's uh, railway crossings and establishing a low-grade crossing regulation and uh, that impacted farmers. So, you know, I think we have a lot of positive messages that we have been able to achieve this year in light of all of the problems that have been highlighted through the drought and the pandemic. But uh, organizations have continued to work and, and lobby on behalf of farmers. And I think we have seen some very positive results. Um, you know, uh, it, it continues to be a challenge, but, um, you know, we're there working for farmers. And, you know, I think it's very positive news that we have seen some of these uh, programs being established and delivered by the government of the day. That, that means our voice is being heard. That was CAP President Bill Campbell with a review of the province's ag industry in 2021. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Candace Dirksen. An older cow in Alberta has tested positive for atypical BSE. A statement from Alberta Agriculture Minister Nate Horner says there's no risk to human health. It is not transmissible, and this case is not expected to have market impacts. Federal agriculture critic John Barlow says it just shows the country's surveillance system works. The WTO granted our uh, negligible risk status for BSC earlier this year. Uh, they would not have done that if they did not see that the uh, CFIA and the uh, cattle producers had very stringent world-class monitoring programs in place. Last week, Protein Industries Canada announced a project to establish lupin as a staple crop in the Canadian agri-food sector. Lupin is widely acknowledged as the pulse with the highest seed protein content and a unique starch and oil composition. Here's CEO Bill Gruel. 
this is a pretty exciting project because it's not only using uh, ingredients that we want to produce in Western Canada for food production by other Canadian companies. It's also around the development of a brand new crop uh, for the prairies. Lupin Platform, Hensall Co-op, Lumi Foods and Apurus have come together to establish an integrated ecosystem to increase the production and processing of lupin in Canada. The $7.3 million project will develop a lupin supply and value chain from crop production through to the development and manufacturing of functional ingredients and products. And the chair of the Canadian Pork Council is looking back on 2021. Here's Rick Bergman. Well, continual focus on sustainability for for producers are, are, is always on our minds. Uh, that kind of dictates our, our thought processes. So we export over $5 billion worth of pork annually, and this creates a huge economic engine for our country. It's vital to uh, ensure that that all works because uh, we know what starts on the farm. Many people benefit from it. Bergman says the drought this year impacted the cost of producing pork quite substantially. That was a look at your farm news. Today's Prairie Ag Wire is coming up. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Ag Wire for Monday, December 20th. I'm Candace Dirksen. Coming up today, Canada's Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food, Marie-Claude Bebo, offered an update this morning on government's efforts on the potato wart situation in PEI and announced additional support for affected farmers. Here's Marie-Claude Bebo, Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada. Not a day has gone by that this issue hasn't been a top priority for me, our PEI caucus, and the many experts working within the Government of Canada. We are all 100% dedicated to reopening the border with the U.S. and finding all ways to support affected farmers. PEI potato farmers are known for their world-class potatoes and for good reason. We are very proud of that reputation for quality. Consumers need to know that quality has never been jeopardized. It's not being jeopardized at all here. Potato wart causes no concern to human health. This is about soil health and the U.S. authorities' concerns over the slight risk to their own country's potato yields. My message to farmers today is we are here for you. We understand the financial and mental stress that this situation has caused. We are exploring all options and avenues to get you the support you need. That is why today, I am announcing a federal investment of $28 million to help PEI potato farmers with the management of surplus potatoes. Besides facilitating additional processing, this funding will be used to support the diversion of surplus potatoes by redirecting surplus potatoes to food banks and other food aid organizations and supporting the environmentally sound disposal of surplus potatoes. Funding will also help producers diversify markets and develop long-term strategies to manage future challenges. My officials will work with the PEI Potato Board, National Food Bank organizations, the province, and other stakeholder groups to deliver this funding rapidly. 
we brought together this emergency support quickly because we know farmers need answers about what they should do with their surplus product. And we understand any necessary disposal must be done during the cold season. Farmers also have access to a suite of business risk management programs. We have already adjusted the agri-stability program so that potato farmers can enroll late until the 31st of March 2022 and receive interim payments of up to 75%. Already, over 80% of PEI potato farmers are enrolled in agri-stability. Agri-insurance provides farmers facing production and quality losses caused by potato wart with coverage for up to 90% of their losses. And PEI potato farmers widely participate in agri-invest emergency saving accounts with average available balances of around $90,000. Farm Credit Canada is also standing ready to help producers with flexible payments and other options to help relieve cash flow pressures. The $28 million I am announcing today adds to this important safety net of financial support. If we are going to get this urgent support flowing as soon as we possibly can, we absolutely need to keep working together. The federal government, the province, the industry, everyone united in our goal to support our farmers in their time of need. Our government will keep pushing a Team, a team Canada approach to help our farmers and fix this issue. The fact is, the U.S. will not accept shipments of fresh potatoes until they have the scientific reassurances they need. We all have a role to play to provide those reassurances. The province and the industry must work collaboratively on what they can achieve with their own roles and responsibilities. The most important forum for collaboration right now is our industry government potato working group. Working together, we can develop a strengthened plant health management plan needed to reassure the Americans and get this trade back on track. To that end, I would also inform you that I have brought in Mr. Fred Gorel to be the new co-chair of the Potato Working Group. Mr. Gorel is very well known within the sector and comes with years of experience as a former Assistant Deputy Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada and leader of our Market Access Secretariat. I have also asked Mr. Gorel to lead a special subcommittee to work just with the potato farmers. We continue to stand by the science and we continue to stand firm on our position that based on that science, the trade of PEI's world-class potatoes is safe when appropriate risk mitigation measures are in place. We will keep driving that message to our American partners at all levels. Last Wednesday, I met in person with the U.S. Ambassador to Canada. Our International Trade Minister, Mary Ng, raised the issue with many congressmen in Washington recently. Prime Minister Trudeau raised it with President Biden and me with Secretary Wilzak numerous times. And there have been many other high-level engagements with senior U.S. officials. CFIA is working as fast as possible on soil sampling and testing. They are providing the results to the U.S. in real time as they become available. And they are working with the provinces and industry 
to get the scientific evidence to the U.S. as soon as possible. To repeat, my message to you today is this. Our government is bound and determined to resolve this situation. Everyone from the Prime Minister to myself, to my cabinet colleagues, to our MPs here on the island, to our ambassador, our officials, everyone is fully engaged and focused on a single goal, to restore the trade of fresh PEI potatoes with the United States. I know that none of this can happen quickly enough for our producers. We are committed to taking down every barrier one by one in a systematic and sustainable manner. I know the generations of pride and dedication that go into every bag of PEI potatoes. And I know the significant contribution that PEI potatoes make to the economy on the island. That's it for the Prairie AgWire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Candace Dirksen, and thanks for listening. Have a good afternoon. The Prairie AgWire will return Tuesday on the Golden West Farm Network. And now for a look at your farm calendar. Verified Beef Production Plus webinars continue to be held Tuesday evenings at 7 o'clock. These interactive webinars allow participants to view presentations as well as ask questions in real time. Pre-registration is required, so contact Melissa Atchison at 204-264-0294 or email verifiedbeefmanitoba at gmail.com. The official Manitoba Hunter Safety Course is available online. This is endorsed by the province of Manitoba and Manitoba Wildlife Federation. Visit huntercourse.com to register. The Ag Action Manitoba Assurance Agricultural Crown Lands Forage Productivity Pilot Program is open for applications until December 31st. Visit the Government of Manitoba Agriculture page. And looking ahead, Manitoba Agriculture is offering environmental farm plan workshops over the winter. These will be held online. Visit the Manitoba Agriculture website to register. And the Manitoba Forage Seed Association is holding its annual seminar January 9th and 10th at Winnipeg Victoria Inn. Register on the MFSA website. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Monday afternoon. Part 2 of Corey Knut's conversation with CAP President Bill Campbell who outlined the organization's focus heading into 2022. Well, I guess, you know, we still continue uh, to deal with four main uh, topics and, and, you know, the business risk management. And as we move forward, we've seen a, um, you know, a significant increase in input costs. And so what are going to be the measures to backstop producers and and what is going to be, um, you know, their, their ability to have a predictable, bankable program so that they uh, have that assurance to put the crop in. Um, You know, we also continue to deal with the uh, uh, conversation on environmental stewards of the land and uh, global warming and all of those, whatever acronyms you want to use with regards to them. But, you know, as agriculture, um, we are being targeted on some parts of our production models and we need to be able to, um, voice 
what we do and how we have adapted and how we have changed and how we need to be rewarded for some of the things that we do. And we also need to um, target economic development. You know, we need to continue to ensure that we have um, bankable and uh, revenue streams that ensures that our farms are profitable. Uh, um, You know, we, we cannot continue or maintain a farm if we're not having that economic development and growth and trade. And so we need to ensure that that part, um, because if we don't have a a positive economic model, um, we're not sustainable. Uh, And then we also need to deal with a conversation around public trust in agriculture. Um, You know, we need to uh, ensure that we have food security in this country. We also need to uh, deal with... uh, Food safety, um, you know, there's been quite a conversation about food waste and, you know, how is agriculture all involved in, in those particular segments? And we also need to ensure that we have good collaboration and, and relationships with the entire food chain, you know, be it from production right through to the grocery store shelf and consumers to ensure that they are, are getting a nutritious uh, product for, uh, for their families. And uh, what's, what's the plan for the um, AGM in, in January here so far? Well, I guess at, at this point in time, we're hoping to uh, be able to hold a hybrid model of an AGM uh, with an in-person component. Uh, I encourage uh, people to register. Uh, you will need to register to be able to vote as a delegate and, and that part of it. Um, we are also having, uh, it's open to the public, but um, we need that registration to ensure voting privileges are upheld. Uh, we're going to have a banquet that evening, uh, and uh, once again, we, we wish for you to register. Um, but you know, we're we're looking forward positively. Uh, we've got some um, some great speakers lined up. We're going to deal with uh, some of the topics that I previously have mentioned, and you know, plan a path forward. Um, we, um, you know, I guess in light of conversations that are happening now between federal and provincial ministers and in light, but we will be following uh, Manitoba's recommendations of public health and safety. So stay tuned, I guess. Uh, It seems like that is a moving target and we will have to adapt accordingly. And that's the 25th at the Delta? Yes, it's a one-day meeting. Um, Starts at nine. Uh, We will be having board meetings uh, prior to and afterwards, but uh, yeah, it's a one-day meeting. So I encourage you to participate and, um, you know, uh, see what um, the, the path forward for agriculture is in 2022. Uh, you know, there's still uh, a significant amount of moving parts um, <laughs> as we uh, go down and turn the page on into 2022. And so, um, yeah, it, it will be um, enlightening and encouraging and positive. So. That was CAP President Bill Campbell with an outline of the organization's priorities for the coming year. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. And now for another look at today's farm news. Lupin is widely acknowledged as the pulse crop with the highest seed protein content. Last week, Protein Industries Canada announced a project to establish Lupin as a staple crop in the Canadian agri-food sector. Here's CEO Bill Gruel. Lupin is something that um, it's a very high protein crop. 
It's got a pretty unique starch and oil composition compared to other pulses, and it's got a really high level of protein, uh, three times the amount of protein as oats and, and, and a lot higher than, than some other things that are used for plant-based diets. Lupin Platform, Hensel Co-op, Lumi Foods and Purus have come together to establish an integrated ecosystem to increase the production and processing of lupin in Canada. The $7.3 million project will develop a lupin supply and value chain from crop production through to the development and manufacturing of functional ingredients and products. An older cow in Alberta has tested positive for atypical BSE. A statement from Alberta Agriculture Minister Nate Horner says there's no risk to human health. It is not transmissible, and this case is not expected to have market impacts. Federal egg critic John Barlow says it just shows the country's surveillance system works. The WTO granted our uh, negligible risk status for BSC earlier this year. Uh, they would not have done that if they did not see that the uh, CFIA and the uh, cattle producers had very stringent world-class monitoring programs in place. And the drought this year had a big impact on the pork sector. Rick Bergman is chair of the Canadian Pork Council. We've had uh, drought in many, many areas of North America and for sure Western Canada. That has impacted the cost of uh, producing pork uh, quite substantially. It has impacted any producer with um, that uses grains for any livestock production. That's a significant increase in cost to the farms, and I'm sure many people are seeing that impact also at the grocery stores these days. And that was your farm news for today. I'm Candace Dirksen. And we've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Candace Dirksen. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email at thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. I'm Candace Dirksen, and thanks for listening. Have a good afternoon. We'll meet you back here tomorrow at 12 o'clock.